uh, we're hoping that everybody leaves uh, with some new hints and tips on things regarding the use of the Internet today. Uh, we've made an extensive handout that everybody get one on their table. There should be plenty of plenty and plenty of extras, so pass them around if, if, uh, if you didn't get one. So with that, I'm going to introduce Michael, who's going to start with the first 20 minutes. He's going to present two segments rolled into one. Hello, everybody. Uh, if I'm going to get too technical, raise your hand, please. Or is it too technical? The purpose of my talk is going to uh, explain the questions which some of you might have is do I need a website and why do I need a website because uh, our IRN talks uh, focus mostly on the physical thing physical side of uh, creating a gadget and getting a patent and uh, I think that uh, we're missing a very important part which is on how to get uh, exposure online to your product through a website. Yeah, let me demonstrate that. This would be a good time into the book industry. For example, in the United States, about 100,000 new books come out every year, but you're not going to hear about probably 95% of those books because those uh, authors missed one of the important points uh, which make a book successful. In uh, most of the cases, that would be promotion. Uh, you could have spent a lot of time and effort in writing a book. The publisher got it published. They spent a lot of uh, money and resources in creating the book. But if uh, it's not advertised online properly or through other means, then no one is going to find out about the book, and all of that effort is going to be wasted. And same applies uh, to inventors, I think. Uh, it takes a great deal of effort into creating a physical product, but if you're going to miss one of the important points of getting exposure to your product, all of that hard effort is going to be wasted, and you're going to be disappointed because your product is not going to sell. So, how can we generate exposure? Although you can do it through paid means, through advertising, uh, I mostly done it through uh, more organic means. You create a small website and just basically let it grow. And by using some tools which are absolutely free, and most of them are uh, statistics based and provided by Google, for example, you can uh, get free feedback about exactly how good your website is doing, what kind of visitors you're attracting to your website, what kind of search terms people are using to get to your <coughs> website, which is a whole lot of information for free to you as a website owner. Uh, I'm going to show how easy it is to create a website later, but now uh, let's see, for example, which uh, search terms visitors are using to get to my website. That's one of the examples. Uh, and there we go. I just uh, a website is a, a very cheap way on uh, how to test market something. You don't have to create a physical product. You can just create a web page and just see if there's interest in your product uh, without making anything physical you can have a test market. For example, I created a page on how to fill out a money order 
and I did not even know in how many people would be interested in the topic, whether it would be popular, if uh, anybody's having the same problem. Only I had the problem. I did not uh, even bother when I wrote the page. I did not even bother to find out how many people had the same problem, which in this case was uh, the poorly written instructions on how to fill out a CVS money order or a Walmart money order. And here you can see that 12,000 people, this would probably be over a month. So the web page in Google and 400 of them clicked to my website and looked at the page. And there are other ones, the Walmart money gram, money order. So this seems to be a uh, popular topic of how people find my website. My website has about 600 articles, but at this current time, this seems to be a very popular search term that people <coughs> are using to land at my website. And those people could, of course, those people could, of course, go to another website. If my website wasn't there, they could either go to my website. In case, for example, I had a a product, a physical product, they could go either to someone else's website or they would not be able to find any websites. You can also find out that information. I'll show you later on how to see if you are being the only one who is providing valuable uh, contact to your visitors or there are other competing websites which are doing the same thing. <clears throat> By having a website I can also capture a whole deal of other important information such as this is duplication such as the internal search terms my website visitors are using. Once they land on my website, this is free information which my website provides. These search terms are the search terms people use in my search box to go on other pages on my website. And uh, this gives me free information uh, for what the people are looking for information on my website. If someone is inputting those search terms, it's very likely that they're lacking that information, they're looking for something like that. Uh, so, instead of first coming up with a physical product and then creating a website as an afterthought after people starts to, uh, start to haggle you, where's your website, how can I contact you? You can do it the other way around. You can create a website on the general gadget that you, you're creating, put up some uh, contact information and then capture all of the statistical information and see if people are first of all landing on your website, if they're actually searching for those search terms online. And second of all, when they land on your website, how long they stay on your website, if they're interested in your content, and if they're looking around on all the different pages they have and whether they're searching for additional information. So this is uh, free market research that you can do before you come up with a physical product.
also. Having online exposure and uh, having, yes? Is your website through Google? Or is that something that Google can do for anybody's website? No, this is free information that Google provides as Google Webmaster Tools, Google AdSense, and Google AdWords that you can basically install on your website. Yeah. My website is completely standalone, it belongs to me, but there's a whole bunch of tools that I can install on my website which give you a great wealth of information. This right here is a statistics module internal to the website system I'm using. So there are like five different uh, pieces of uh, software which are capturing basically what the people are doing on a website. I can even do this. I can say which are the popular pages on my website. And that gives you a number of hits, for example. So, uh, as a test, I could come up with a website with 10 different pages of content and then just sit back and see what are the landing pages, which is basically the first page that you see when you <coughs> arrive at, uh, at your website through a search engine such as Google. That's called the landing page, the first page you see. But also people like your website, they uh, click around on your menu and use the search term uh, box and they uh, go on additional pages. And this will give you information on which pages are popular, which pages no one ever looks at. So uh, in, an inventor could come up with an idea for a gadget, put up a website, and see if people are at all searching for the thing he's proposing in the pages that he put up. You may find out that people love your idea and you'll immediately get calls, <coughs> people saying, where can I buy your gadget? I want it tomorrow. And then that would be a good idea for you to start, you know, calling the manufacturers and such. Or you could have uh, zero visitors, even if you put up ads. You could have zero visitors, which would tell you that people are not, at least that would tell you that the gadget you're proposing or service you're proposing is not a need-based uh, thing. People are not in need of that thing, as in they would actually go on a search term, I mean a search engine, and actively seek out a solution to the problem that you're trying to address. It might be a uh, one kind of product. People would like it, or they want it, but it not, not, might not be a need-based product. <coughs> but going back, it is important to realize the online exposure you have or do not have before you start uh, putting down some money. Here's an example of a uh, company that I used. And right now, everyone has a smartphone and the first people thing people do is uh, if you have a physical business they go on uh, Google Maps and basically pull up your address, your phone number but immediately 
down below that there's this review thing on Google and people are going to notice that. Here's an example of a successful, uh, successful company which has five star reviews all the way down. This takes very little effort from you to set up Google reviews. You can, you can haggle other people to give you good ratings and such and such. But this is such a quick and easy way in generating trust for your local people. This would appear just from these reviews alone that many people are using this company and uh, people come away with uh, very such uh, they come away satisfied from this company. We don't even know how big the company is or you know how many people they dealt with, but at least this company is uh, being smart or it has a lot of customers. We don't know which one. Here's an example of a company which you might want to stay away from. This is a local uh, Northampton uh, Highway Auto Salvage. And I did do business through them. But believe me, when people see one star, on their smartphone, they'll probably, you're not going to get that business no matter how hard you're trying. This could have been uh, a one bad day you had. This could have been, uh, you know, a new employee that you got and you hired, a, I mean, fired a week later. But this stays on for a very long time online. If you don't understand the exposure you're having online, don't pay attention to that. You can delete the reviews, can't you? Yes. Yes, I was going to yeah, discuss sorry. that. There's a method. No, no, that that's uh, perfect. There's a method to dispute the reviews, of course, and you can do that on most of the online uh, review-based services and such. But you got to know that you know someone's leaving bad reviews about your product. And as an example, uh, even companies are starting to have specialist people on staff just to comment back on the reviews you leave. For example, if you go on a new ad, you're routinely going to see companies which comment back even on negative reviews. They don't even try to uh, change your rating. If you left a rating of one star, they're not going to try to haggle you and say, could you ch please change that? All they do is they respond and say, um, we actually have a solution for that. We have a tech support number and here it is. And they leave that information out. And when a customer sees that the company is actually watching out for the uh, reviews people leave, they're aware of the problem and then they have people who can help you with the problem with the phone number listed, then even though you see a one-step review, you're still going to trust the company because the company is aware of its online uh, exposure and online presence. And they have people who are ready to help you even if you have a problem and everyone has a problem. Uh, most one-star reviews is just uh, one small problem but you have a lot of free time on your hand I think and you know you, you try to ruin that company. You don't know if you're one person who is having the same problem one in one thousand or maybe a hundred in one thousand which would be a big problem for the company and it's uh, quality control department. You don't know that. Uh, for a lot of people who leave one-star reviews, uh, you're basically trying to tell the whole world about the bad experience you're having. And uh, 
if you're being a smart company, if you're being a smart service, if that person is, be, is trying to be so destructive or so negative, uh, you going out and basically telling the person, here's a, a tech support phone number, call us, we're going to take care of this. That person, you're going to take care of the problem. I can uh, demonstrate those new egg reviews, but uh, I think many people uh, here have used the uh, new egg. I assume so. You can also capture how many visitors you have, you're having. In this case, it's uh, unique visitors per day to my website. So I have all this uh, wealth of information. Uh, <coughs> that I can capture. All I did was just write a page and then I can sit back and uh, look at what's going on. You can also see links to your website. I don't even know who those guys are, but apparently they found my website useful and they linked to me. I know who these guys are. I don't know who these guys are, but you can see that I can see here that 502 a total of 502 links uh, linked to my website, which is very important. Uh, Craig is going to discuss uh, search engine optimization. Uh, where when you create a new website it's in your interest to create inbound links to your website through wikis, forums, uh, other websites and so forth to uh, generate exposure again online and tell the search engines such as Google that your website is important people consider it to be useful and such and such but uh, here those links uh, were basically organic I did not put up those links but uh, there are many different techniques you can use to uh, promote your business online which are very low cost and uh, not even time intensive. Mm. How much time does it take to uh, have a website is a very interesting question which uh, I think many people need to find an answer to. Uh, my sol uh, answer to that question is instead of me personally, instead of being on other people's websites and giving them money like uh, uh, social websites such as Facebook and such and such, your activity on those websites is basically uh, giving revenue to the company who is uh, hosting that service. If you invest the time into creating your website, doesn't matter what the content is, could be uh, pictures of your dog, could be pictures of your cat, could be pictures of a flower in your garden, but invest in that little amount of time creating uh, pages on your website is a very uh, easy way on uh, get started on a website. It doesn't have to be something that you sit down and work for eight hours on one single day and you're supposed to come up with a website uh, all in one day. Uh, I suggest to people to approach it uh, as something of a 
hobby. Just uh, create a website, which is not uh, very hard to do, where you outsource that uh, task to someone else, the administrator. And then just create a page at a time, one page a day, and you're going to see your uh, website organically grow. And uh, you're, you're hopefully going to see uh, visitors and advertising. If you want to generate your money that way, it's going to increase your website over time. <coughs> How do you start to create a website? You get a domain name. oneandone.com yes that's one of the companies I do recommend for both uh, as a domain registrar and as a hosting company for your business um, I don't want to wait till the end but use GoDaddy is a bad thing uh, no okay. not a bad thing but uh, expensive it's not about the cost. I actually have a page on my website. I can uh, show it to you later, which discusses what the. Uh, I can wait for that. Yeah. This is the way I created my website, which this would be a good illustration. Someone comes up to me and says, uh, uh, What's the criteria of uh, choosing a uh, hosting company? Instead of just answering that uh, person's question and then doing nothing about it, how about creating a web page instead about the knowledge you know? And this is the way I created this whole website, hosting. Let's see if I create any pages about hosting. How to choose a hosting provider. Here it says, stay away from GoDaddy, and I do explain why. <laughs> That's the first. <laughs> but it's mostly because those uh, the extravagant uh, ads they put up that I don't really like. They're spending that much money on cute ads. But there are other technical reasons which I go beyond. We are uh, a website administrator and... Uh, I also list them specific technical requirements which should go be and be in. This page took about probably uh, five minutes to create and I can find out, I don't know off the top of my head, but probably thousands of people since have viewed the page and probably found it useful or they did not find it useful. They could also comment on it if they choose. They did not in this case, but just by uh, investing a little time and effort, about five minutes, and creating a single web page, I created online exposure. So if we want to find out about why you don't recommend Bulgari, we go to your site and then read the article? Yes. Yeah. 
And I also had something against diner names. What can I do to get out of it? Just uh, get another hosting company. Well, they already have if, if you have good uh, experience with a the company, then you don't have to uh, do anything about it. If you have no particular objections. Well, they're charging me money. <laughs> and they're deducting it from my account. Okay. We will have a Q&A uh, session after the meetings. We can discuss how much they're charging you and uh, so forth. First step, get a domain name. How much is a domain name? About $10 a year. Or that's, that's a typical price. And what you register is something uh, recognizable, uh, unique, uh, authoritative sound, something people, you know, seeing Google would uh, like to click on. And you just uh, use a domain register, something like one-on-one uh, -on -one right here, and just uh, see if your website is available. Mygadget.com. It's already registered. But those ones are available. <coughs> Why am I discussing domain names? Because it is an important part of your business. Uh, this is a, another one of those cheap steps that you can miss, but which are important to your business. Uh, you might base uh, whatever it is you're making in a specific trademark, you could put on the, the hard work into promoting the trademark and such and such until as an afterthought you go in and create a new website, you try to look for a uh, domain name and you see that's registered to your competitor or to someone else which would basically mean that uh, people looking for your product would not see it as a uh, domain name with your trademark or description of a gadget or so forth so uh, this is an important process and $10 a year is a very uh, cheap investment into the future uh, if you have a small idea that you might or might not work in the future it might be a good investment into uh, getting that domain name early whether or not you're actually going to put in the hard work into actually uh, coming up with a gadget making, bringing the gadget uh, to life and trying to promote it and so forth uh, one of the important uh, things I would like to note about domain names is don't search for your domain name on things like Google and other websites and if you do find a domain name you like, buy it the same day. For some reason I heard uh, many stories of people searching for domain name yesterday and uh, searched for it the next day and it just became uh, bought by someone else. I don't know if someone is actually watching out for your searches. Uh, it does sound likely to me, but I also had the same experience of trying to register a uh, domain name which you wouldn't think would be you know, useful to someone else, but uh, you go back a day later and it's already been taken. So don't search for your domain names on uh, some uh, third-party websites. Uh, do it from a place like this which doesn't care about uh, possibly searching your 
I mean, uh, selling your search terms to some uh, Chinese company or who knows what. These companies uh, are more interested in getting your business as a hosting now. You buy hosting from them, so this would be a more trustworthy place to search for domain name. But I would still recommend for you to purchase, if you like something you see, purchase it the same day and get it. Another way of uh, getting exposure online, which many people ignore, especially inventors. Uh, with inventors uh, tend to think that in order for us to sell our product and make money on something, it has to be unique, it has to be uh, a novelty, it has to be you know such and such, it has to have every feature, including the heat sink included, uh, in with the package. But um, many people are making a whole bunch of money reselling stuff, uh, generating articles, generating uh, social uh, portals for people to participate in online. It doesn't have to be about uh, you coming up with something that's completely new to the world. You could start your business uh, by come, uh, setting up a shop, selling related items to your item, and then that would give you enough exposure and it would give you a test market that you could experiment. For example, my website, if I do, according to statistics, have about a thousand unique visitors per day. If I wanted to test a, a, an idea I have, I, put up a, I could put up an advertising here, right in my page, and this to me right here is a free test market of about a thousand visitors a day in which I could experiment if people are interested in my idea. I could put on an ad in the whole page that you know, people could uh, would have to click on at first, so would have to watch through first before they uh, land on my web page or something like that. And from the statistic uh, sticks available to me, I could see how many people actually click uh, my ad maybe a whole bunch of people are going to click on an ad maybe none of the people that visit my website are going to click on an ad that would give me free information about whether to pursue that idea or not without putting any money into uh, calling up some uh, third party uh, market testing company or market research company this is something I uh, that's available to me as a test market opportunity and I do, for example, advertise. I make a little money here, and this is a free advertisement for that the data recovery company that I saw, uh, showed you the good reviews for. That's a company that I did business with and I liked, and I basically want to contribute to them by advertising on my website. And I'm basically exchanging services with that company. So you can generate exposure by putting up a storefront from Amazon on your website. You can resell things on eBay. You can do all of those things, um, anything you need to generate visitors to your website. Uh, make some money aside if you need to. 
and then you can decide from information given to you on whether you need to work in your idea or not whether people like your idea or not is working on a website complicated is a question many people have let's look at uh, the website that we set up a while ago it's, it's not the cutest website in the world I know those new modern websites need to be uh, various shades of green and pink and all of that but uh, there's a functional website let's see how much effort is required in order to create a new page on our website I'm going to put it under, say, a bot layer. This is the interface to the software package which is already installed on the website. And this is something like a, uh, say, a browser or computer system that you use. That's another piece of software or a word processor. It's another piece of software that you... Is it called CMS Mesa? Yes. That's the name of it. That's one of the recommended. Is it the free? Yes. The handout that Craig uh, gave to us lists other content management systems which uh, we do recommend. Those are the big ones. Have you heard of Coffee Cup software? Mm. It's no. It's free, but you can get some tests. I use that. Mm. Show it to you. Yeah. WordPress is a very popular choice if you want to start a website. Uh, you can set up your website as part of uh, their website. It's going to be yourname.wordpress.com. It's going to take very little effort for you to set up. Uh, you do not have a lot of uh, technical capability in you know, uh, doing whatever you want with a website, but it's a very, very cheap way of... Uh, creating a website. WordPress is one of the easy systems to uh, learn. But let's see if you can create a web page uh, in this content system. We're going to give it a title of We had a presentation today. I'm going to name the menu item the same thing. I'm going to give it a I'm going to put it under about and I ran. This is a test page. We're going to make it bold. And let's see if there are any pictures on this website. here, we had a presentation today, and this is the page. Nothing scary about updating a website once it's set up. Does it take a lot of effort? 
So you aren't separate in coffee cup. You, you, you have to pee it up. You didn't have to pee that. You this is all browser-based. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. I can log in anywhere in the world. I just have to put in my password, and I have all these tools and create a page. And so are you modifying the website as, right, as people are looking at it? Yes. Okay. When you click submit, it's live. If you want it to be that way, this yeah. is a very powerful package. But but if you want, if you had a kind of website where people were constantly on it, wouldn't you want to modify it for a while and then make one big change at one time? Sure. So you can do like a, a development side, and then, yeah. and then maybe at midnight, if it was an international one, maybe it would be some time here when all yeah. the countries maybe I don't know what that would be yeah. seven a.m. U.S. time or something update. Yeah. Okay. You can edit that page. Click submit. Hit refresh. No. Okay. Let me make that a little bit. And that's right there. That's how simple it is to work on a web page. <coughs> Nothing to it, and once you create a web page, you can sit back and uh, let the visitors roll in and have them test your website for free for you. If, it, if people are not interested in your website, it didn't cost you much of uh, effort and money to come up with it in the first place. You can dump the website and move on to something else. Or this might become a, uh, uh, a super popular blog and people are going to you know, beg you on the street to come up with more content for your webpage and all of that. You, you never know. Just put in a little effort into your idea, test drive it with a website, and see where it goes before putting a lot of money into your physical product. <coughs> it is possible to uh, test an idea with uh, test marketing companies and all of that, but it usually takes a lot of money. On the online, people are spending a whole bunch of money making links to other uh, people's web pages, participating, reviewing, and doing all of that, which is free, basically free labor for you if you have a web page on, uh, on which people can participate. <coughs> I can now uh, go in depth if uh, anyone wants to afterwards, but I think it's time for Craig now to uh, talk about some other topics. Thank you very much. Thank you. He'll be back after my short one here for another uh, part of his presentation. Um, so, 
you know, if I, I've got some of the takeaway points of, of what Michael spoke about in the, in the handout, but just a, a, a quick overview. You know, he didn't go a lot into the editing and creation of the website. One of the reasons is today, that's become so easy. Most of the websites today that you create are based on what they call templates and frameworks. We call them content management systems, and they are all online as opposed to being created on your own computer. And there's and so once somebody sets it up for you, and a lot of times the host will even set it up for you, you'll be presented, you buy your domain name, you'll be presented with, uh, you, you, you get your package for $4.99 a month or whatever the heck they charge you, and they'll present you with a blank slate. You'll have a, a website that looks sort of like that IRN website with nothing in it, and then you just go to the control panel and say, make the first category or make the first page. So if you get things set up right, it's very easy for you to then populate it, you know, with all your content. So I'm going to talk basically about two things. One is going to be, you've got this website now. It was easy to register the domain name. It was relatively easy to figure out what kind of a package you're going to use, WordPress, CMS Made Simple, or are you going to get fancier and learn Adobe PageMaker or any of the new, not PageMaker, the Dreamweaver or Coffee Cup or some kind of a, of a more complicated uh, web creating package, case, in which case you might have to go to classes, you might have to learn things. But with the template-based ones, you can almost get started right away adding content to your site. Um, you know, basically, to categorize the types of websites that most people would create, I'm going to make three different ones. There's the, the website, you've got a product, or you've got a business, and you want a simple website. We call that a static website. One of the names that's been given to it over the years is brochureware, which really means that it's almost like a brochure, but it's online. That type of a site doesn't tend to change a lot. You want to create it. Sometimes it stays there for a year. There might be a small part of it, a sale page, or something of that nature that you change. Of course, something like that is pretty easy, brochureware. So I, I actually gave some links here and showed... Uh, this happens to be a website that I created for one of my clients, and I created this in the software that he showed, CMS Made Simple. And this is a uh, pretty big company that sells wood stoves and things like that, but they had this second line that they created that was gas fireplaces. And so they wanted this relatively simple site. I've hardly changed it in a year, although I showed their guy how to do it, and he's, he's starting to add, he just added this whole thing. I did the 450 and the 650, so I set up all the templates. So he just called me and asked me a couple things, but I showed him how to do it. And this is, a, you know, it's got a nice little, uh, it basically has what most brochureware sites would have. It shows you all the different models. You know, we could go to each of those, each of the fireplace models, and we could then take a look at the, the picture of it. And then it has, every page is pretty much the same, but maybe with a little different information. It has the specs, it'll have the manual for the particular thing, you know, and some of the, the basics. So, you know, this is that is sort of the first type of site I'm talking about, where it's a static site for a product. Things are going to stay pretty much the same. You have a line, you have a product, you create that. Now, the big buzz we've been hearing for the last number of years is, you know, social media. And I'll actually talk more about that in the second part of my talk after, after Michael goes again. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, interaction, all this kind of stuff. It's really nothing new. It's just that it's become a buzzword. It's where the money is now. You know, Facebook's going to be a couple hundred billion dollar company. So it's sort of the new dot-com boom. 
it's really the same old thing. It's a, it's a matter of are there ways for your uh, clients or your uh, website visitors or people in general to interact with the site as opposed to it just being a brochure. Brochure is like a one-way street. So the same company that, that, made that, that I made that static site for, I didn't create this site, but this is their you know, regular Woodstove site slower than, than the one I created because mine's on my server. Theirs is probably in Norway, which is where they're from. Now, a site like this goes a little bit further. Now, sure, it has the standard products, tech, technical documentation, maybe some advice, but then it has a couple slightly um, social things to it. Examples would be on the bottom, there's that Facebook... Uh, it's scrolled off screen now. Let me see if I can scroll it over to that. Can anybody see the Facebook? Oh, it's missing. How do you scroll over to the right on this one? Just, just widen the window. It's not, oh, it's not showing the same thing it shows on there. Let's scroll down there. All right. This is, still, uh, this is probably cutting it off. Yeah. But it, it has ways to hook into Facebook and hook into Yodel's Facebook present. It, it has, uh, you can go search for dealers, you know, on a map that are, are closer to your thing. So, so it's got a very small amount of social component. They also have uh, what's hot, you know, press releases, um, you know, uh, consumer bulletin, uh, things like that. Now, a website like this, and this is, you know, when you're thinking about what kind of website you're going to create, this is very important. Because that first site, I think I created that two years ago. I'd be surprised this is the first time they're adding something to it. So that sat there for two years with virtually nothing added to it. Whereas a site like this, requires them, if you're going to have, you've got to update the dealers, they, they, they keep on their Facebook page, uh, contests and things, it ties to there, they, they, you know, you don't want to go, if you go to a site that's got press releases and updates and you go there, I mean, I do this all the time, I go to a site that's got press releases and I was like, 2006, you know, that was their last, pre I'd be like, why did they create this website that has supposedly updated and, and present information on it and yet, you know, they're not updating it. So, so this is sort of the, mid, the middle of website, using, you know, pushing your product, pushing your information, maybe having more articles around it, things like that. And then you sort of go to the, to the third level of website, which might be more social or totally social, a little bit further up the pike. And I picked two here. One happens to be mine, and one is, uh, one, is one of the stove manufacturers, I'll show you mine quickly as an almost fully social website because I don't sell anything. So my entire reason for existence is interacting with other people and there's a lot of things, as Michael mentioned, that I end up getting out of that. They're, they give me content, which is really key, and a lot of people will find that the community... I mean, how many of you go on Amazon? How many of you use Amazon? Uh, you, you, the reviews, right? That's a totally social thing. And, and how much... See, those people are giving the reviews to Amazon for free. How much value are those reviews to Amazon? They're selling a lot of stuff from those reviews. So that's a typical example. Whereas if Amazon sat around and had paid people or tried to... They could never duplicate it. And that's the same thing with, with a full social engagement or fully social content site. You'll have your visitors, your community, your clients creating content for you, and then your site expands. It's sort of the power of the network. So just a quick look at, at my site, some of the social parts of it. 
Okay, so this is, I, I run a site that's about wood stoves and fireplaces. How would you guess from, uh, from all that kind of, from what we were just looking at there? Um, but just to give you an idea of some of the social things that are on my website. Okay, I have a picture gallery, which people, has thousands of pictures on it, which people submit, submitted to me. I get those pictures. Sometimes I might rename them or put some keywords next to them. That's, that's social. Uh, I have some forums. I'll show you a quick look at them. Our forums have uh, 1,100,000 messages in them and 22,000 users. So you can only imagine. I didn't create. I have 10,000 messages I posted out of 1,100,000. So, uh, so, you know, it would be very much smaller if it was just me trying to create that. Um, we have... On the, just to give you an idea of what's social, um, search 2200 question and answers. Those questions were asked to me, just like Michael said, but on a different scale. And it, whenever it, ever anybody asked him something, he then noted, oh, this is how you do it. Now people come to his website. So back in the beginning, before there were such things as forums and social media, when my website started in 1995, there was like two sections. One said articles and one said ask the webmaster. And they, people asked me questions, and I remember when I had 10, and then I had 20, and then I had 30 questions and answers, and I stopped at 2,200, because now the forums and other things have taken over. But The basic part of wiki, is that written by people the way that wiki is? The same thing, yeah. yeah. I throw in, it's just a little less formal. So, yeah, we have the, the, now the informational articles I write. So, although some of them are getting, the bulletin boards, they're all, that's all, you know, dynamic. That's all social media. The Hearth Wiki is, is people can make articles or a lot of times I'll take stuff that people have posted in the forum and stuff, ask them if I can, and, and maybe distill it and put it in the wiki. Uh, the people will put the prices of, uh, there's a place where members can say, oh, here's what pellets, cordwood, or things in my area cost. So uh, I have lists of dealers. I have classified. Uh, reviews of stoves, so ratings. People put in, I have like maybe 1,500 things where people say, so, so this, is, this site is almost fully social. And I'll tell you, from a, from a point of view of myself, nothing better could have ever happened to me because when I started this site, I was having to do everything. Now, if I would have dreamed up a scheme of how my website could prosper, I could never have dreamed up what actually happened. Like, okay, Craig, you can stop writing. You can stop doing things. All you have to do is sort of, you know, run, you know, keep the herd. You know, I guess I'm sort of the sheepdog. You know, I'm just like keeping the herd, making sure things don't get out of hand, you know, keeping, keeping, every, keeping everybody in check. And then basically, because it turns out that my users know a lot more than I do. I mean, you know, we have in our forum sections, as you can see over here, you know, 1,102,000 messages, 22,000 members. And people can tweet this, they can recommend it, they can Google Plus One it, they can like the, the posts and things like that. But I mean, we have people that, that, whose knowledge goes so far beyond, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about stoves, but some of our guys are like, we have central heating, you know, a lot of people central heat with uh, wood boilers, power boilers. Some of these guys are engineers and they've developed these systems for, I mean, you can go on the net and you can find out the uh, temperature of every part of their heating system in their house and outside and BTUs in and BTUs out and efficiency and graphs over time periods. And they did the controls themselves and now they're selling them to other people. I mean, it's so far beyond me that I, I can't obviously keep up. So, so this is a good idea of, you know, a site which is fully social. 
Now, that may not fully social, in my case, since I'm not selling the product, yeah, it's easy for me to do, or certain people that might have more of an idea about creating a community or creating you know, a brain trust or what have you. Uh, but a fully social site also applies, or a more social site also can apply to people that sell products. And I put another company here of uh, one of the other companies in our industry, and this, like uh, Harmon Stowe's, it's a wood stove. But they'll they'll do a lot of this like blogging. They have cur- you know at the bottom besides all the Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we go down here and we see they've got everything from a blog, shopping tools, technology info, tax credit, current offers, connect with us, planning, you know, the hearth, everything lays out, idea gallery. So, so they're doing like get recommendations. You can even go there and they have like almost a stove picker, something I thought of like 30 years ago because I had a store. I was like, you know, you could write a program in basic that was like, how big is your house? Do you want this? Do you, you know, but they've done it, you know, web-based now, where you can at least sort out that you really want to heat, you want to heat one room. So, so what they've done is taken all the tools that are available. This happens to be a big company, so they have resources. But they're, that, you know, they're giving a good example of how you could use uh, a website fully populated. You know, it, it does all of the three things. You know, it's got all the products, it's got the services. Resources. It's got things, oh, how much am I going to save with wood heat or pellet heat over oil heat? There's calculators built into their site so you can fill it in. You know, and these things, so hopefully they're saying to you, let's answer you know, all the possible questions. So, so when you consider your website, and, and I have this listed out pretty well in here, you know, the type of websites you're going you're gonna to think out, it's important to sort of think of it in this nature. You know, I listed them out as one, two, and three on the, on the second page, and you know, you can take this home and, and go through it. Uh, it. It would be good to consider which one you're going to do, and you know, my quick advice I give down here, but one thing is never bite off more than you can chew. You know, if, you, if you're not going to do a number three, then don't set up a giant framework for a number three only to find it be empty. It would be better to take Michael's advice you start out small, you see what your customer... The thing about the web is that instant feedback. You're, you're going to see what your customers want, what they're asking for, and you're going to give them more of that, and it becomes sort of a, a feedback loop. You know, just for interest, my client, you know, well, they've been my client since 1995. You know, the, back in the early days, they sell both wood stoves and gas stoves and fireplaces. And back in the early days, I remember it was about 1997, you know, they were just completely amazed that we were able to say, look, this is how many people are going to your site and the first thing they're doing is clicking on the wood products and this is how many are going and clicking on the gas products. Now, even that for them was an amazing piece of information corporately. Just, you know, hey, two-thirds of our customers are looking for wood and one-third. And then they could follow that as the prices of fuel changed and, you know, people's buying habits changed and things like that. It's a very important uh, type of an information. So that's the three type of, of websites. Now, whatever website you have, you've got to populate it. The worst thing to have is, like I said, this giant website and you've got nothing on it. You know, you make the fancy one and you don't fill it. So how do you fill it? All the different ways. I listed them. I listed some of them out here. Content generation, I'm going to call it. But content generation includes forums, which of course, hopefully can, you know, fill themselves if you get good users and things. 
But you can start with a lot of the stuff you have. Articles maybe you've already written or can write. Technical bulletins. You, you might have, if you've got a product, you know, you're promoting an invention, you might have your uh, manuals. You might have your sales sheets. You can modify a lot of that text just slightly and start populating your site with things like that. Don't forget audio and video. They're really, really big now. I, and, and you don't have to develop your own tools for using a lot of them. You can use YouTube free for your, your uh, video. They're going to show it to the world. They're going to put it all in their search. Uh, it'll all go under the search uh, terms and people are going to find it and, and they can be steered to your website from there. I have one really amateur video I put together of a tour I took of a wood pellet plant in New Hampshire. I'm not sure how many views it's up to, but I think it's like 140,000. It might be more than that. It's getting so many views that Google stuck an ad on it and they're giving me money from the ad, you know, which is, you know. And it was just like, the funny part about it is they don't let you replace YouTube videos with another. I had put this up real quick and it got popular. Meanwhile, I edited the video, fixed it, lengthened it, and I have this beautiful, much more beautiful narrated, edited version of it but I can't get it to replace that popular one. <laughs> it's just weird. So it's just, a response. What's that? Make it a response. Yeah, you can't, you can't, they don't let you. It's a response in the comments. Uh. You, can, you can set it up. Oh, I did say here's a more, I put in the comments, a more modern version of this video is over here, but it's still getting 10 to 1, you know, that original one. So, okay, we decide what kind of website we're going to create. Uh, we're, we populate it with content. Now, I mentioned some things in here about what they call SEO or search engine optimization. Most of search engine optimization, to me and you, take the mystery out of it. That means getting your website found by the right people who are looking for the right things. It's very simple. How does your customer or client or whoever it is get to you? Uh, basically, you want to make every effort to make sure you have as many links and things like that pointing in. Michael mentioned Google. If you're a any kind of business you are, Google has a thing, and I mentioned it in here also, called Google Places. I mentioned that under SEO too. You get your business located in there. It shows up on the map. It then shows up as your URL. Google then knows about it. It shows up as reviews. But, but um, search engine optimization means that people can easily find you. Now let's just take an example. Something that helps innovators and inventors a little bit with this is that almost the more unique your product is or innovation or site, the better chance you have of being found and the better chance of you have being found more than the next guy. Let's just take a quick look. Let's say I made a flying boat. That's my invention. Of course, there's been lots of flying boats. But, you know, I would look down here and I would say, oh, there's the Pan Am, there's the big ones like that. You know, I'd look down a little bit. Oh, look, flying boats for sale. Well, this guy developed flying boats, you know, here. And you can buy used flying boats, happy, you know. I got right to him because there's not going to be too many flying boats. We all know that they're going to call those big airplanes flying boats. But you could see from the search results, hey, I'm not going to pick Pan Am as my flying boat. I want a flying boat that I can use over on the lake. So you're going to find, you know, Joe Innovator's flying boat that he made up and you can go take yourself a flight in one. Except for due to the FHA rule changes, you may not be able to take a flight in one. But 
<laughs> one way or the other. So basically, that's what, ser what search engine optimization is, is making sure that your website has all the right articles in it, has all the right terms in it. It's not something that you fake. You don't go to your website and say, oh, I want to get found, so I'm going to start a website and put Flying Boat in it a thousand times. It's just that you're going to make sure that there's text and articles about a lot of the things that your um, product represents other alternative names for it. Like let's say Flying Boats had another name and they were called, you know, something stupid, whatever it is. I would start out my article on the first page say, Flying Boats, also known as blah, 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 have been, you know, an object of desire or whatever it is. And then right away when people search for all those other terms, they would also come to my website. So it's important not to be real specific. Make sure that you cover all the bases that might relate to your product or your innovation. Um, especially you don't want to try too hard because Google will know eventually if you're fooling them. Google has, it's very smart, Google and other search engines, and they're going to get, they're going to get wind if you try to pack them by, oh, I'm going to put it in invisible in white ink, you know, white text a thousand times, or I'm going to try to get people to my website by putting Britney Spears, you know, in the middle of my, it, that, that worked back in 1995, but it doesn't work today. So most of search engine optimization other than some more tips you know, that we'll give you and that you'll look through the statistics, is really having the proper content on your site, a little bit what Michael said, having links going out and links going in. Links related to your site, not just any link. If you have other sites about flying boats linking to you and you link to other sites about flying boats, Google puts all that information together and determines in their mathematical algorithms that you're for real, therefore they're going to you know, send more people to your site. Audio and video, too. Uh, interestingly enough, um, I, I linked to an article here. Even pictures, Google has, this is an image publishing guidelines. Google says, even themselves, they say, if you've got a picture of your cat, don't upload that as the, on your site. Don't upload it as the original img0064.jpg that it came off your camera. Rename it to mypetkitten.com or mydancingdog.com, not .com, .jpg. Rename your, uh, rename your images. So they're, they're actually giving advice and saying that, that that's how I can... Uh, see, they say like, okay, yeah. Instead of this, descriptive, my new black kitten, is a lot more information. So Google was using the name, not only what's near it in the text that describes on your web page, but the, the image itself. And you know, so when you when you work with video or when you work with images, always consider the naming conventions because that's how Google finds them. Uh, one big no-no mistake in in common sense in search engine optimization. I had one uh, woman who was in one of my classes said, "Craig, I, I got this professional. He created this amazing site for me for my photography studio. It is the most beautiful thing. It has every photograph I've ever had." You cannot find it no matter what. She says, I go to Google and I've searched every term. My name, I can't find it. I, and her name was really strange, so that's weird. You'd think it would come up as the first thing. Well, this is a common mistake that some people make. Since she was a photographer and since she wanted to go so fancy with graphics, what she did, instead of using actual text on a web page, and by text I mean you can tell what part of a web page is text because if I can select it, it's text. What she had done is had this professional create her entire website and all the text was in graphics, was in pictures. 
because that made it look good. You know, she could, she could keep her formatting perfectly for the photography and art eye. And the problem is now, Google couldn't find anything on the whole site. All Google saw was a bunch of images that were named strange things. And you sure enough couldn't find it because there was no hint for the search engine. So uh, uh, that's another quick thing is that search engine optimization, if I had to say for the layman, there are people that teach courses and that'll take thousands of dollars from you for it, in which case I wouldn't recommend doing it. They'll, they'll pretend to teach it to you. But most of it is common sense. And most of it is not what you do it's what not to do. And what not to do is try to fool Google. Don't put you know, things in, in, don't put words in images. So with that, I'm finished my first part. I'm going to come back for another quick social media. Michael's going to do a, a quickie here, and then I'll do another quickie. right to my, to my social meeting today because Michael's nicely finished his and then we'll go right to Q&A. Okay, so again, taking some of the mystery out of it, um, social media, you know, everybody's the buzzwords and everybody comes around to you if you're a web consultant like I am and, oh, you know, what's social media? I, I had my biggest client, Yodel, call me today. Two people on the phone, him and I, we spent an hour they're redoing their whole website. He's going over to Norway and meeting with corporate and they're redoing it. We had this whole discussion. He's like, we want to redo the website. Norway wants to do more social media. What should we do? What shouldn't we do? Again, this is something that you're going to sit back just like you do with those three web types of website and say, it, you know, what parts of this, of interaction or of you know, Facebook or Twitter or, 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 or other social media back and forth is for me. What works for me? Um, the elephant in the room is Facebook. When I say the elephant in the room, that's the big deal. The first thing that everybody says. Should I have a Facebook presence? Should I be on Facebook? Is Facebook going to make me famous? Is it going to you know, make things great? No, is generally the answer. Not that, not that you shouldn't be on it. No, it's not going to make it famous, make you great. But it's a good thing. It's free. And it's a good thing to add to your website or, you know, online um, media. Basically, what happens is when you're on Facebook, you have to create a personal account. People have a personal account on Facebook. Once you have a personal account, you can then create separate accounts. They're right under you. They don't use a different password or anything like that. Like, for instance, I have an account on Facebook for IRN. And I have an account on Facebook for hearth.com. So once you have your personal account, you can for free create a Facebook presence. There are two quick hints which I lay out in here, but I'll go over quickly uh, on, on a Facebook presence, because uh, I just saw I, somebody make one big mistake. When you create a business presence on there, it gives you like this box of options and says, what are you? I'm a local company business. I'm a brand I'm an organization. There's like six things. And this company happened to be a company that sells sailboats nationally or internationally. But they were located somewhere like every other company. So they selected local company, uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, and all this. So I had noticed when I was on Facebook, I couldn't find them even when I searched by their brand name, which is unique. 
I was like, that's weird. I can't find them. They're I could get to them from their website Facebook link, but I could type it in the search box. I couldn't get to them. And then I noticed that they were, when I went to their thing, it said local company, St. Cloud, Minnesota. So Facebook was making sure, because they know I'm not from, because of Facebook knows where you're located based on your IP number, they were not returning the results to me. So that's hint number one. Make sure you classify your company. If it's local, classify it local or, or whatever. But if it's a brand or if it's something that's national, international, you don't want to say I'm a local company. Um, the second thing is, actually three hints here. Second thing is, when you create it, they, they, let, you, they let you have a short Facebook name like facebook.com slash hearthcom. That's short. Normally it would be a lot longer. When I did mine, and I'm not sure if it's the same now, it might be, you have to first get, once you go on, you start your page, and 25 people have to like it before they let you make that short name. Then they'll let you change it to short. But first, it's sort of longer. It's like Facebook.com, maybe some numbers, or maybe, maybe a longer name. So if you want a nice sort of vanity name, which is always nice, uh, it may change, because they just changed the format this week or something on Facebook. But it used to be that when you create your little business, you've got to get 25 people to like it before they let you have your short name. And the third thing is, and this is really important too, this sailboat company made this mistake too, in the naming of your company, okay, they don't check your name and your brand. This company was called Windrider. They make sailboats. Now, how many people are going on Facebook and searching for Windrider compared to how many people are going on Facebook and searching sailboat or trimaran? Okay, which are types of sailboats. That's what they made. So I told them, even though I'm not a consultant, I was just doing them a favor. I said, look, you should have called your company Windrider Trimaran Sailboats. Because this way when somebody goes in a search box, so if you make you know, this type of widget, make sure you put those other terms in there rather than just say, you know, if you were Apple, you wouldn't say Apple Incorporated, which is what they're called now. You'd say Apple Computers mm -hmm. and you know, I, and, I, and phones or, I, you know, or something of that nature because then they would find you under that other term. So, okay, so that's, that's basically the Facebook. Uh, you know, Twitter, that's another one you hear all the time on the news and stuff. The quick of it, I mentioned in here, quick thing is, Twitter isn't for most of us for the reason of it's a real quick type of a uh, conversation, what they call micro-blogging uh, or micro-messaging. If you're a comedian, if you have a road show, if you're a musician, if you're a celebrity, if you're a newscaster, it's for you because, hey, you just opened, you're going to have a second show at the Iron Horse. You're only going to have one, but you decided to have a 9 o'clock show. Now I'll send out what they call a tweet. It's a little short message. And everybody who follows me there's a lot of people, if you're, if you're a Twitter fanatic or fan, you have all these things that automatically go to you. If, if one of your, you know, if Eric Clapton was one of your heroes or something, you would follow any of his or any musician. And then you would know as a fan of whatever group it is, ah, oh, they're playing the second show at the Iron Horse, it's tomorrow night, I can go. It's a, it's, a, it's a much quicker type of a thing like that. So for most people that have a, you know, a more serious gadget, where people really don't care about what you're doing moment to moment, you know, instant to instant, day to day. It's not as important. I find, I know a lot of people in the business that are in a lot of facets of, of uh, consulting, web work, community, and it turns out that very few of them use Twitter very much. 
Some people do. The younger they are, the more they tend to use it. They're almost, with the phones and stuff, they're into that instant. They always have these feeds coming and going. But it's of less importance to most sites than Facebook where a real conversation might occur. So with that, we're going to open it to question and answers. Michael's going to come up here and the two of us are going to take uh, maybe formal questions and answers for 10, 12 minutes and then we're just going to hang around for the rest of the time and if anybody wants to ask us anything. So, yes? I think I may have wasted money, but I wanted to run this by you. On Facebook, when I made my, my secondary page for a business, I, uh, I purchased um, some kind of page-making thing through AppSumo or something, and I was able to create a form where people could enter their names and submit something and send, it could send to my email. Yeah, well, you know, that's probably another company. I'm probably not even Facebook that did that. Some other company selling an no, app. I would say yeah. for most people, no, but they're probably, you know, if, if it was... What is it? I run writing groups. Right. And so if someone um, comes to my, my Facebook page, they're direct... I don't have my website up yet, but they'll be direct to my website, or they can just go right in there and uh, give their name and email and then any, uh, the times um, that they would maybe be able if it's used, it's it useful. Used yeah, see, th th that's the thing of the feedback loop yeah. that they're talking about. The yeah. best thing for most people is put it up. Then you'll see on your Facebook page, only when you see it missing. That would yeah. be the normal way that we go about I, most I of our web. I think I'm going to go back in and send that page out again to maybe my uh, Yahoo contacts. And, uh, then I'll see I mean, because you'll first, before that form gets used, you'll probably see some conversation occurring. Like, I'll just say to you, hey, when's the next one? Yeah, and, you know, when 10 people question. do that, then you'll yeah. say, hey, that's when I really need this automated. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, again, waiting for the demand to say that. Questions? Yes? I, I figured out what I have is a GoDaddy, and I have two domain names reserved, and they just renewed it automatically for me. I, w I have a bunch of names at GoDaddy. I wouldn't worry about it. I think what Michael's talking about is that there's two separate parts here. There's the, the, the domain names registering, which they're really in some ways all the same. He doesn't like the fact probably that GoDaddy tries to sell you about eight screens worth of extras, none of which you need, but most of which, some of which lots of people are likely to buy if they don't know things and, and, and things like that. So they're a little bit like uh, ghosts, shall we say, or, uh, you know. Well, supposedly what I have is like these Yeah, you can create that website anywhere, and those names, the names are portable from the website. It's sort you of the same way that phone numbers are today. If she lets the thing, thing stop, though, she's going to lose the domain name. No, she's going to lose them. And if she stop. wants, but you can, you can either leave them there forever or move them to another host. There's no reason to really move them, because even if you create your website somewhere else, you can make the domain names point there. there. Then they go. It's an automatic renewal. Uh. Then you don't want, you want to stop the automatic renewal. Any questions? I have to notify them if I want to stop. Yeah, if they're taking it. Um, with all this uh, fluidness of your website growing and the, the social aspect of it, um, there's then a responsibility for you to police like things that aren't appropriate, or is that um, is that ever an issue? Or I mean. I understand having a grow can make you more profitable and a bigger presence out there, but is there an onus that goes along with that to be totally eyes not, on it? You don't want things that are totally with your business. And well, totally, yes, and and that, that's why a company, you know, like I have a little more freedom because I'm not selling anything. So if somebody, you know, 
honestly reviews a bad product, I don't have to worry about it. But like that, that manufacturer I showed you, Harman, they're going to keep it within a certain sandbox. So maybe they have a blog. Maybe you can comment on it. Maybe you can't. You know, they're going to keep it very tight because they're not going to allow it to get out of hand. In my case, I set a certain sort of vibe on the site, but I also have, if you have a site that you're not really selling anything and it's fully social, what you'll generally have is helpers. Some of your users will step forward and, and usually become moderators for free volunteers, for some, and you pick some reasonable people, and they keep an eye on what's going they on. Actually name them as moderators. Yeah, they're named. They usually have special powers. They can move things or delete them or, you know, depending on how many powers you want to give them. Yeah, that, believe me, that they, I've had them for, I have four or five for, you know, 10 years, and I love them. I love them to death. I even send them checks even though they don't want it. On a similar note, I heard that um, big companies are watching uh, Twitter. When, when if somebody tweets something, uh, putting down a service or a product, that Procter Gamble, whatever, they have people that are um, quickly responding, like a first response. Exactly. Well, that's a good hint for everybody as a as a consumer or as a user of any services. If you let's say you have a little problem, you're having a problem getting an insurance claim. This happened to me. So, you know, I went online and looked at the insurance claim site, and I noticed that they had a Twitter account. So I was like, and, and I put a little tweet out, and it wasn't really bad. It just was like, hey, you know, I haven't heard about my claim, McDonald Insurance, you know. So they have a person that's getting that, and I don't know, I didn't get an answer to that, but it got settled very quickly, you know. So it, it's a great way for consumers, because so many people don't use Twitter yet, and all these companies have hired social media departments and people to monitor their things, you're going to get, if you have a problem with a company and they have a Twitter account, you're going to get taken care of right quick. So that's, that's you know. It's almost replacing like a 1-800 number. Well, again, because everybody's not on it now, you have, you're, it's like being first in line on the 800 number because you, so, you sort of stepped up a level sure. because it's normally the social media director is a higher course of action than just the phone bank, you know. I'm trying to figure out how to uh, set up a page to have a market survey and have a survey on page that <clears throat> I know my target audience I want, but to get them to come and fill out questions, you know, multiple choice or whatever, so that I can present that as a, a uh, market survey. You can go, for example, to a third-party website such as SurveyMonkey. That depends on uh, how many people you want to fill out your survey and uh, what, in which time frame you want your questions answered. But if that's a non-critical survey that's just for general informational purposes, you can just set up a uh, survey and third-party web websites. SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey? Yeah. It allows you a very uh, easy way to set up it's a very capable survey monkey. But the second part of the equation is then you're going to have to either get an email list or have a small web page or have some kind of, you know, your Facebook page or have some way to drive people to your, you know, I don't know who. You, so there's two parts. As Michael said, the survey monkey, they you can create incredibly complex surveys on there and then your results are all in charts and everything like that, free. Uh, but then you have to get people there and you can use other services all this monkey stuff. MailChimp is, a, is an email uh, list company. They don't sell you the list, but they'll, if you find you know, 
200 engineers you want to email to or buyers. You, you'd have to search around to find out how you're going to get the audience, just like with any marketing. But the, the tool that Michael said is the way to do it. Well, I figured I would take and post a link onto different forums that were <coughs> that were relative to yeah. the audience as of the forum. Yeah, exactly. Just drive the audience to your survey. They'll give you a, a URL when they're done creating it. They'll say this survey is at SurveyMonkey dot you know this, and you copy and paste that and put it in the forums, blogs, Facebook, and everywhere, and get people to go there. I got an email uh, a few days ago, somebody asking to put my domain name was for sale, which I'm not using it for a website. They probably searched it and it came up. I don't know what happens. You just get a broker. Um, so are there brokers that uh, people will take a domain name that they own and list it for sale? Um, and is there a better, like, reputable company that is involved in doing that? You, uh, I just said the this happened to me about a month ago. Someone just contacted me. First of all, you need to fi uh, find out if that that's an actual person or if it's just an automatic robotic email that just went out to 10 million people, including you. I was you. wondering if it was that also, right? You gotta find that out as a first step. And uh, once I found out that that was a real person, I told them, what do you need my uh, domain name for? They told me, oh, we have a business. Uh, with such and such name with a longer domain name but I like yours because yours was so shorter I went and checked out their website it was a real website you know, my domain didn't match and I told them yeah go ahead you know and then we agreed in price and then uh, it happened how do you set a price though I mean if it's a multinational company asking you or a small mom and pop there's it's different worlds out there yeah, it's, there are a number of domain name brokers, and you can go online and they'll even show you on their websites the last number of domain names that sold and what they sold for. And the prices, I mean, they go from $30 to, you know, $100,000, uh, you know, depending on what it is. I've sold a couple domain names for uh, $1,200 to $7,500 over the years, you know, uh, uh, I, I, 7500 was one that somebody left with me for free, like a client. Like he, he abandoned it. He asked me to register it for him, and then he said, I'm not doing it a year later. And so I re-registered it. Sure. After that, right. I kept it for a year. It was called findsomeone.com. Right. Somebody gave me $7,500 for it. I wasn't complaining. Did you put it with a broker to get that No, I think they found me. I think I might have had the name up. Maybe they were searching. People search names and they find out. If they're a real serious one, they'll search the name, find out who owns it. Because I don't have my records hidden. Some people hide theirs. Right. And they just contacted me. But, you know, I'd say that three quarters of the ones you get for that are probably bogus. But there's a quarter of them. And just with the basic checks, like he said, like email them back and see if they're conversational. Sure. And then ask why. Because people don't just out of nowhere spend big money for domain names. Right. They don't. They'd have to have a real specific reason and need and then you'd have to look and say oh if it was their trademark they could almost take it from you anyway you gotta it's it's not a trademark work, well if it was real close if it was yeah. mcdonaldsburgers.com you couldn't sell it to them <laughs> back in the early days you could but there's laws that domain name there's it's a real fuzzy type of a thing because there's laws against domain name squatting mm -hmm. giant business just to give you an idea how big there was companies going around getting our local sports league down in New Jersey, right? The, you know, the, the local uh, athletic league. 
they, what they were doing were grabbing names, either names that people already had or the names for every town. You know, if it was Southampton, Southampton Youth Athletic Association, SYAA, MYAA, all these different things. And they were actually putting porn on them. And so when our local thing went to register a name, now the Internet's big, they're like, whoa, because everybody's going to that name. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they said, well, for $3,500, you can have the... And even the police chief got involved. He said, there's nothing we can do. That's in Florida. We're up here. And again, they, I think they gave him the money for it. I mean, I'm not saying this is good stuff, but I'm saying there's all kinds of snake oil going around. And a lot, I've had clients that their domain name has been grabbed the day that it went you know, dark, and then sold back to them for three grand. Because they missed the... Uh, they missed. So if it's, a, if it's valuable to you, do it two years, three years, five years in advance, do it automatic. Make sure you keep track of it, because once it gets valuable, they'll sell it back to you. <laughs> and they'll know just how valuable it is. On GoDaddy, if you take and search a name, it comes up that it's not available. Next to it, it says who is. If you punch that, then it tells you who, who has it. Right, there's a number of sites on the net that do a thing called Who Is. That's a you know W H O I S, and then you, you can find you know who owns any. If somebody's going to buy your domain name, how how do you know that they're actually going to send you the money? There are brokers that do a lot of this, and there's and there's some escrow services even, and that's you definitely want to do some. The thing is, you usually own it until uh, until you give the real word. Like there's this final sort of button you have to push to okay. So it's really you steering the ship because you're not until that check is cleared or that cash is in your account. The smart person, if it's a real big one, they have these escrow services, or, or you use a lawyer that's also sort of an escrow service and in between. Just I wouldn't do it myself. Unless, I would do it myself because I would wait until I had the cash and, and it was irreversible, and then I'd click the name. <laughs> I wouldn't give them. I would you never give them. Yeah, you have control over it. You, you, unless you okay, when they go to transfer the name, they can't fully transfer it until you say okay, it's there. Okay, I just make sure the, the money's in the bank. <laughs> I want the cash. Yes? I got, I got other companies sending me almost like invoices that say, um, you know, okay, you're ready to renew your thing. Yeah, it's it's fake. Not, it's not right. It's just, I get all kinds of things like that for trade show advertising, for domain names. There's companies just send out two million letters and figure that, and I'm sure they get a lot back, which is why they sell it. Oh, so. I know. I thought it was that was who had my domain name. Yeah, yeah. And so they do. It's there's lots of snake oil out there, so always be wary. I mean, I've almost I haven't gotten caught in that one, but I've got I've almost gotten caught in some, you know, whether it be yellow pages or tra you know trade show listings, and and then I look again, and I'm like, no, it says it has nothing to do with the trademark. They send out the trademark ones that really look, oh man, they look just like the, yeah, they're, they're pretty, pretty. I mean, they come in envelopes that look like the government. They've got a name like the patent office. So, on the subject of domain names, uh, I sold my domain name just as an approximate ballpark uh, figure. That was just a single uh, location car auto shop. It was $250, which oh. paid for a single shop, you know, shop and stop and shop trip. So that's the. Right. That's could, a nice medium uh, price. Yeah. And uh, how much is $10 a, a year? Two cups of Starbucks coffee. So you might want to put on your domain for your own name. Maybe you'll use it you know, later in your life. It's very cheap insurance and. Uh, it's very cheap if you get it uh, 
ahead of time, but it might turn out to be something big, and it's going to be worth a lot more than. This also applied to transfers. You know, if uh, if someone wants to give you fifty dollars, you might think about it. Maybe this is going to be bigger in the future. You know, so if it's available domain name, you know, whatever little money you can get now, maybe it's going to be uh, much bigger money. Do people ever release the name to a party? No. Uh, it's always a clear sale. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this, just trying to weigh out who the interested party might potentially be. If it's McDonald's that wants it, you know, certainly the price would go up. And on my $7,500 sale, I let the guy use it from that. I said, give me, he didn't have the money. Uh -huh. So I said, well, give me $500 and give me $100 a month for, you know, four years. At, at the end of the four years is when I push the button to transfer. Until then, you can use it. It can be for your site and you can develop the site and we have the agreement. So it, it can work. That, that, that was basically a lease purchase is really what he was doing. He didn't have, I was glad to take $100 a month. You know? My cost wasn't that high. So you can work out any, any business arrangement as usual that, 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 that suits both parties. And, you know, one thing we didn't mention about domain names, these are general things. The shorter the better in a general sense. Um, and if possible... I don't like the use of characters, you know, like dashes and underscores and things of that nature in them, too. Some of those are my preferences, but the shorter the better, easier to tell people, easier to remember. Yeah, but the dash can get you if, if yours is already taken by someone else and you really want it, you put the dash in there and you, you got it. Yeah, but think about how many actual, again, uh, modeling is a good thing to use. So go look at the big sites, the Silicon Valley sites, the startups. And, you know, if I didn't see a lot of good sites with Dash, I wouldn't use a Dash. You know, so in general. It's not going to kill you, but it's just, these are just guidelines. Because I know somebody told me that they were using an underscore, which would make a difference between whether or not I could, you know, if I read it as a Dash or a Yeah, see, I would rather add a little thing to it, like, you know, info. It, it, not dot info, but, you know, if it was Craig's craig.com, uh, craigsinfo.com or something like that, then to put you know, yeah, then to, then to put dashes or underscores. I want to interject for about uh, I'm not going to take too much time, but we uh, did not discuss uh, AdWords, which could be very affordable and cheap advertising for inventors. Right? We totally missed out yeah, on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was calling you back for. Yeah. Go oh, okay. ahead. Alright. You can this is another very affordable and cheap way, uh, very affordable and uh, easy way for you to test market your idea. You can make it extremely specific. You can tell that I want people in Western Massachusetts to, when they search for uh, coffee, to be shown an ad for my service. I don't want anyone from Connecticut. I don't want anyone from Maine. I don't want any people who search for coffee cup to go to be shown my ad. I just want it to be coffee, or you could specify. I want people who search for black coffee to be shown an ad for my website. And you could tell Google. This is all done through Google AdWords. And you can uh, say that I only want to pay so much per visitor and I want this uh, advertising to stop at $50. That's all I have for a budget. And it's going to run for a couple of days, and this is a very affordable way to test market your idea instead of putting up a billboard or running that uh, in a newspaper, which costs a lot of money. And uh, 
you cannot pause it, you cannot change it anytime. This is not a very good example because this is an old ad with a whole bunch of, uh, this is no longer active, with a whole bunch of uh, search terms crammed in, but this gives you an idea of, uh, that you can specify the phrase that you want. So this, the phrase is what people would put in a uh, Google search box they would search for something and if that matches what you propose to Google AdWords only then they would be shown that uh, uh, ad on our Google results and the ads I'm talking about are They did not show up. They're blocking them here? Yes, or maybe I'm uh, searching. Uh, I have an add on. Let's see. Oh, what did you search for? <coughs> what should I put in? Oh, anything. What's the. Does that should come up? <laughs> Map for both. I do not see any ads. On the right, the ones on the right. On the right, yeah, and I'm not seeing anything. I don't know. I haven't seen those come up very much lately at all. No, they, but there we go. Ads. Yeah, there they are. Yeah. Ads. Why are these ads? And and I'm going to reveal a secret to you. Many people don't know that this is an ad in yellow because it's so light. The yellow. No one, no one You can't even see it on the screen. I can see it on my laptop screen. This right here are ads down to this point. And they make that yellow so light, they fool people into thinking that these are uh, uh, page results, even though these are actually paid for search results that Google shows up. Just, just so you know, clicking on these uh, things in the yellow boxes are not always, uh, if you're looking for, you know, a if you're researching something, uh, you don't want. You're gonna be wasting your time. So you're gonna land up. Yellow is that what you're saying? Yellow is an is an ad, yeah. And these on the right are they're not very different from these main search terms, and not many people know that these are ads and they click on it. But this would, of course, work. Uh, Sometimes they're alright. It depends what you're looking for. I look at yeah. this, but I usually click on the, the ones that come up. And mm -hmm. Every time someone clicks on one of those ads, you pay for it. Sign up that way. Yeah, there are different uh, methods of payment. Yeah, it could be done through uh, impressions, which, uh, which means on how many people looked at the ad without clicking on it. But when they click it, that that's considered very valuable, and you do pay for it. So, for example, you might pay uh, 25 cents per a thousand uh, views that thousand eyeballs looked at your ad, but n never clicked. But you would pay a dollar as soon as someone clicked on your uh, website and uh, once you pay that dollar your the page that people land on better be very good you know so you finalize the sale otherwise it would be a waste but these search terms is something you buy for right here so someone told Google that they want to pay for stoves he probably did. <laughs> Sometimes I do, but a lot of the, a lot of the, I noticed yeah. a lot of the uh, companies. You don't want to be that generic. For uh, us inventors, you want to include a lot of uh, 
specific search terms and he can tell which words to avoid for example if it's that uh, like I gave the example before if you, uh, you want to avoid people who search for black coffee but you want the people who search for coffee cups you can be that specific with Google it's, uh, it's the tool is very sophisticated most clicks are from tend to be 25 cents to a dollar for your general products that most of us would be talking about that's the cost of getting a visitor to your website that's generally in the range of where you're going to have to bid to get a number of visitors a lot of them being 40 50 cents uh, Michael probably you haven't been in the regular newspaper advertising end of things but it, it used to cost us three four hundred dollars for an advertisement and we get four phone calls to yes. our retail store so uh, the idea of 25 cents or 50 cents to get somebody to click to our is unheard of in any other you know in TV advertising I hate to think what you know what people are paying for you know an impression or for somebody to get to their website so this is you know economically it beats any other form of advertising that I've ever run into mm -hmm. and uh Depending on whether you want to disclose your idea or not, and uh, whether your uh, idea is a need-based or a uh, want-based. For example, if you came up with a solution to a problem which is need-based, and you said, I came up with an idea for uh, waterproof uh, and that, whatever. Oh, would you know it? Uh, there's already a whole bunch of waterproof person. Uh, yeah, people actually paid for these inexpensive dry bags and all of that. But if you wanted to test market the idea and see how many people are searching for the term waterproof handbags, just uh, start the uh, campaign, which is what what it's called. It's basically a, uh, an ad session. To put in that, buy that search on waterproof handbag and just see how many people land on your website within, for example, one week. And you can stop after that, and it's going to you're only going to part with $10 or so. You know, it's not going to be very expensive, a very affordable uh, way to test market an idea. Or you could be on the other side of this uh, whole ads thing, and you can have money coming to you after you come up with content you can start making money if uh, you instead of creating a physical gadget you instead uh, go into creating content and you have lots of valuable content uh, you do not have to go the route of creating a physical product you can just uh, generate your money your income from uh, online advertising and right here let's see is this the paper? Is this the one where you put ads on? And people these are right here. Mm -hmm. This ad right here on the left. Mm -hmm. I have three ads, and these two in the middle of my page. I get paid for that. Okay. How do you get those? Is that something I'm interested? Just insert a little snippet of code into your page. Google not only, when you sign up for those click campaigns, Google not only puts 
those ads on Google's search page, but they insert them on Michael's yes. and my site. So Google ends up, Google not only advertises themselves there, they're just like a giant advertising agency. On one hand, they have all these people giving them money, everybody from Ford and Toyota to you and me. Yep, yep. And on the other hand, they're placing the ads not only on their sites, yep. YouTube and other, but they're placing them on every site that's related. They try to look at what's on the site and put the right ads in there based on the words that are in each page. And then when you click on them, they, Michael makes approximately 70% of the money and Google gets 30%. Yes, these are not random. Uh, Google scans my page, which in this case didn't, didn't really work. It scans my page, it uh, looks for words that I uh, have on my page and then uh, it matches that with people who paid for certain keywords and then puts an ad which is, uh, uh, is hopefully beneficial to visitors. When they finish reading my page, they'll uh, they're likely to click on that ad. It's usually going to be, uh, you know, it's going to match the whatever you have on your page. It's always going to be different based on content. These are not random ads. Okay. Everything is matched. Yeah, so someone paid for, this is not a good match because uh, the page was for money order and there's ads for with beautiful women. I don't know how Yeah, but there's a Visa card you're getting. There's a Visa so card. So in there. It's a real-time auction that happens billions of times a day based on who's advertising, what ads they have to place, you know, and they probably said, oh, there's nothing close to that money order. We'll throw Kim in there because one out of a thousand people is clicking on her. We'll at least get something, you know. So this is all happening in real time behind the scenes. It's just a little snippet. They give you a little tiny snippet oh, of code. It. Google gives it yeah. to you once. Okay. See, on Google, you're signing up as one of two things. You're either AdWords that he mentioned. You're an advertiser. And okay. you don't have to ever talk to anybody. You set it up with your, and you set up your campaigns for your keywords, what you'll pay and all this, and you set your text in it if you're an advertiser. If you're a publisher, you sign up as a publisher, which is what Michael and I have done, and they give you this little snippet of code, and they say you can put that up to three times on any page. And then they populate, they send you okay. ads. Here's a good example. The page is about can I solder aluminum radiator to repair it? And they ads that come up as brazen soldering, yeah. brazen soldering, soldering radiators on sale. Maybe instead of trying to fix it, you ah, I don't want to do this, and you see an ad for buy a new one. Okay. And, you know. Yeah, and if there, was a, if there was a radiator repair shop in our local area, if it was radiator repair or something, and they were playing AdWords, that would show up first because they would go, oh, it's coming from, you know, Springfield area. There's a radiator repair shop 10 miles away. Yeah, and again, the two words you would need, it says business solutions, but there's AdWords if you're, is one end of the, that's, that's your advertising. And AdSense if you're a writer and you end up publishing a lot of writing online, you might put AdSense in it and then you get paid. That's right. So that's the other one. That's yeah. the publishing end. Exactly. Which, which end of the... Which oh, end of the buyer or the seller? Who pays and who collects? AdWords pays. That's for ad, paid advertising. So that they would pay me? Is that what you're saying? No, you pay them. You're selling a widget. You use AdWords. How profitable is it? Right here. Right here. No, I mean as far as to to get to have them put it on your published page. He's got something up there, Phil. This is about a uh, thousand visitors per day, and it uh, is about 
couple of dollars per day. That that as just as a ballpark, if you're asking how much is going to give. Well, you know, hobby yeah. site. Just to give you an idea of, of the bigger end, I'm in, I'm a middle end. I have made three hundred dollars a day on AdWords on AdSense, but you know, normal fifty dollars to hundred dollars a day on my site. I sell them a lot of my excess inventory. Uh, there's a site called AskTheBuilder.com. Just a guy like you, who's a builder who developed this site, who takes twelve hundred dollars a day to two thousand dollars sometimes on on AdSense. So it can be it can be big. Yeah, but ballpark figures are very hard to find. You know, people don't know. Right. Depends on what your content. If your content is about private jets, you'd be making a lot of money. If your content is about something general, you're not going to make as much. I can learn from reading. <laughs> and Google AdWords is so specific, and you can tell what your budget is. You can tell them, I want people who are, you know, I can afford for one link, one click to my website to be worth $50 if they're buying a uh, private jet from you. You wouldn't care. Whereas, if I have a low-cost service, I would say I don't want to pay more than 50 cents for anyone who lands up on my website. It's that specific. It's very simple to do. Right. If you're selling a product, you can develop a formula. I've had a number of clients do this and say, okay, I'm selling a $300 product. I make $150 on it. I find one out of every 100 people come to my website will buy one of these. And I'm paying Google 30 cents. So it's costing me $30 to make 150 in profit. Well, if I ever, if I find that formula, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say to Google, I don't care, I'll spend $1,000 a day on your ads. Right. Keep sending them because, the, you know, every 100 cover going to buy one of my sets, you know, whatever it is. So you, sometimes you can scale up. In, other, in a lot of cases, it's just a matter of how to get your website found and how to test market. But for some people, especially high ticket items, low ticket items, it's really tough. I have a client that sells fire starters that cost 26 cents a piece. You know, but, but for high ticket items, you can sometimes develop a formula. You're selling this item that's a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks. One, one of every, and a lot of things I find are in the 100 to 200. You can sell one for every one or two hundred people that come to that site or that you know that are pretty interested in it. If you can work that formula out, then you can replicate it and you can sell a lot of widgets and get paid, you know, make profit on the first one or on every one. Because so. I've always tried to figure out how these sites they say like Facebook is worth billions. Why is it worth billions? You know, why is how do, how, do these future, run, that is how do they bring in all this money? Advertising. Right. Uh, but most but I never understood yeah. how it all functions. This is basically it. It's yeah. all, it all ends up functioning, you know, in cost per action. My, my son's in college in Nashville, and he knew somebody his freshman year that he said was making $1,200 a month off of Google. And all I could find out from him was, if this makes any sense, I'd appreciate your opinion on this. His friend would go to these uh, singer-songwriter workshops, and there'd be some professionals there. As a matter of fact, his roommate named Taylor Swift like five years ago there at that. But um, he would find out, he'd have a good hunch as to who was going to start just rocketing on the charts, basically, and, and become popular. And in, in his website or forum, he would put that name, which immediately traffic was driven to it once that name got on people. Does that make sense? Yes. There's a lot of, there's, just like anything, there's always people that find all the angles. Right. We'll say it like the speculators in oil. Google frown upon that 
No, no, because if, if, if the site looked real, if the site wasn't real, no. it wasn't bearing just no, the no. name. Yeah. Right? So a lot of, lot of, there are a lot of people who, you know, I'm a, I, my site's about my interest. His site might be about some technical and engineering interest. But there's a lot of webmasters who started who did things like you're talking about. They find they buy any site that, and then they they might populate it with something that that's trending. You know, it's coming. You know, real popular. And they actually create maybe some content. Here's the tour schedule yeah, for this guy. Now all of a sudden it. everybody goes to that site and so the ads on that site perform well. Right. A good example of let's say that we, you know, when, before the iPad came out, we started an iPad accessories or just review site. You know, we were the first one to lock some of that up. Mm -hmm. We're going to get the first, we're going to be the firstest with the mostest. So yeah, a lot of times people pick out it's sort of doing it the opposite way. You know, they're almost going where the revenue is instead of developing the gadget first or the sure. content. Right. But that's one way. There are people, if you just want to sit around and all you want to do is make money for money's sake, there are lots of opportunities like that. that yeah. You know, yeah, that's the same conversation my son once said. He has the special book on that. <laughs> What's that? You got the book on that? <laughs> there's lots of guys that will sell you the book on that. <laughs> money for money's sake. Works for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to follow your bliss, you know. There used to be names for these type of sites. You know, a lot of them were called scraper sites. They would, scraper sites just scrape little pieces of content from all over the web and put them on one site. There used to be zillions of them, but Google was finally learning to get. Google sort of liked them because they had Google ads on them. Right, right. So, so they would be just like sites that would scrape, like about fireplaces. You'd go there and they'd all, the same company would have 200 sites. You go to their site about fireplaces, about desks, about chairs, about wall. They'd have separate websites for everything in the world, and each one of them would have the same stupid format. Fireplaces are very nice. They warm your house. And then it would have like parts of other sites that were pulled in from feeds, and it had like Google ads all over it. Well, journalism, they do that too, though. Don't they take people's ads that are current, and maybe they'll credit them. Well, I mean, journalism, in a way, they take other people's content. You turn on the tube, and it's like, here's a clip they showed on Fox. Here's what this guy said. They're really grabbing other people. But this was just for that state, and the sites were useless. The sites were useless, like these fireplaces. They were useless, except you would land there from a search, and then you, if you were didn't know a lot, you would probably just click on one of the Google ads there, and then they'd make money. There's a whole... There's a whole I mean, there's all sites on that and forums on it, and that's what you know, there's names for it and all. You know, so if you want to research it, you I was going to say, is there a good book you can recommend? Oh, there's tons of stuff on the web. It's called like it's called website scraping, and then there's like you know, with search engine optimization, there's two times types. There's white hat SEO, which means the good guys, and there's black hat SEO, which means we're trying to fool them to get to our site, even. <laughs> Believe me, anything you can think of of mankind from the beginning of time, it's, it's out there. 